0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 1,936, are we really doing this? (laughs) Yes, we are. Let's talk about the Rise of Skywalker trailer. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And first off, a quick shout out to Andy and Josh of the Holo Chronicles podcast. They had me on for an interview which we recorded while the Monday Night Football game was playing out and the trailer played out and we ended the interview. And then before we wrapped up our Skype call, we watched the trailer together and gushed about it mutually. So um, thank you Andy and Josh, had a great time and that episode will be dropping in about a week or so maybe a few days less and they kindly said that I could take a snippet of it and share it with you as well which I will do also so you have that to look forward to but Yeah, we're not here to talk about that just now, are we? (laughs) We're here to talk about the rise of Skywalker trailer, which was rather mind-bending and mind-blowing, to be sure. And I am going to get into deeper details about elements of the trailer for the rest of the week, because there is a lot to chew and parse. But for now, the initial reactions to what we all got to see together... First of all the opening shots of Rey running through the jungle and that helmet that she drops is a helmet very much like the helmet that Luke wore in the original Star Wars with a blast visor with a blast shield down so that she wouldn't be able to see the training remotes that were actually flying after her and one of them is shooting a laser that she reflects back with her lightsaber so that's what that's about. And she makes a wild jump across a chasm on this jungle planet, but it cuts to the inside of what is presumably a wrecked Star Destroyer, or maybe it's wrecked Death Star wreckage. (laughs) And the thing of it is, is that your initial reaction is to think, oh, this is a flashback to Jakku, but her costume is the same costume that she's wearing in The Rise of Skywalker, so it is not, she's not wearing her Force Awakens movie costume, so this is not a flashback, that's something that actually happens in The Rise of Skywalker. And while these scenes are happening, Finn's voiceover talks about instinct and says that the Force brought us together, which means that apparently now <laughs> Finn has a better sense of how the Force works, so that's also an excellent thing. So the question still stands as to whether this is Yavin 4. It's certainly a possibility. I don't think it's been ruled out by anything that we've seen. And it does make sense on the one hand for it to be Yavin 4. I mean, it was formerly a rebel base, but unlike Crait, the Empire actually found out about Yavin 4, of course, and raided it after the fact. So, you know, maybe the reason why they might go back to Yavin 4 is because the Empire's already been there and... You know, if the First Order knows that, then they would think, oh, there's nothing left for them there. So it wouldn't make sense for them to go back there. And one of the scenes that I'm sure is going to be very heavily analyzed is that scene where you see a ton of people gathered and Lando and Chewie are at the center of that gathering and you can see Poe and Finn off to the side. And it sounds like Poe is actually saying in that scene that they're not alone and that good people will come to help them. And so the parsing is well, who else is in that audience? We can see somebody from Moncala there. And Greg Brunberg, who plays Snap Wexley, has already tweeted a photo of that gathering with circles and <laughs> exclamation points and bursts around where his character is. So he's clearly indicating that he is a part of this scene. And that Corellian Corvette coming in low and brushing the treetops, yeah. <laughs> That was pretty awesome. And then, of course, we get a shot of Rose on what appears to be the top of a Star Destroyer with horses running around. We'll get to that business in a moment because this was just a brief flash preview of what we get to see later on in the trailer. And then we've got the business where Ray says um, that everyone says they know me and no one does and then you hear Kylo Ren say, but I do. And first of all, They're not talking (laughs) on top of that Death Star wreckage. So this conversation that they're having is happening in some other location. It's possible, I suppose, that the bond that Snoke established between them could have been reopened by one or both of them. But, you know, I like thinking that Rey convincingly shut it at the end of The Last Jedi. And so that if they're having this conversation, it's under different circumstances. That's just, you know, my... Two cents on the matter, but I don't have to be right on that one. <laughs> and, um, you know, the but I do business. On the one hand, you have the folks who are hoping that Ray and Kylo Ren will end up in a romantic relationship by the end of this. And there's another perspective that a Twitter user shared where she said that, this kind of response from Kylo Ren is actually textbook uh, abuser's behavior. Like an abuser would say that, you know, you're not going to be able to be with anyone because I'm the only one who understands you. And that's the sort of psychological game that those kind of folks play with people. And that was actually a, a different perspective than would have ever occurred to me. I've you know, either been, you know, ignorant or blessed or naive enough to not have had experiences with you know, people who've been in those sorts of situations in my life. So, you know, hearing that perspective was you know, really surprising to me and you know, has me thinking very differently about that whole conversation or at least certainly very differently about the possibilities of what we're hearing. And on a lighter note regarding that scene, for me, the tweet of the night goes to Violet Wilson, who is writes on Twitter. There's a lot of tongue twister stuff about to happen with this. She wrote, Every time I think they're done making Kylo Ren wet, they come out with a new, even wetter Kylo Ren. And for some reason, that just made me laugh out loud here in <laughs> the quiet of the studio. So thank you, Violet, for the laugh. I really appreciated it. All right, moving on. Let's talk about that giant iceberg. First of all, you know, when they showed it in that little mini clip that they teased on Twitter. So now we're getting teasers for trailers, which is pretty funny. But when I looked at it, I thought, oh, it's, you know, a giant iceberg basically, right? But the longer we got to look at it and, you know, the bigger scope and scale that we got to see in the trailer, what I noticed is that that iceberg is not symmetrical. In other words, it looks like it has a surface, but underneath it's not symmetrical. I was thinking that we were seeing a reflection of the top half of the thing, and that's not really the case. There's an entirely different underneath. So I'm not sure what it is we're exactly seeing here. It seems like it could be some, you know, giant floating ice asteroid in the middle of space. And, you know, you'd think it would have occurred to me before I had to watch it half a dozen times. But finally, I watched it more carefully and realized that when the TIE Fighters are flying toward it, there are no reflections there. So, yeah, definitely not an iceberg floating in water, perhaps an iceberg floating in space. Then, let's talk about that crazy throne. So, Phil's... I'm sorry, Phil. My apologies. Zos Stosak... Ah, uh, Phil is the <laughs> author of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi art of books and will also be the author of the, art of, Sky- of the Rise of Skywalker book. So he tweeted a photo of one of Ralph McQuarrie's concept drawings for Return of the Jedi and it is for the Emperor's Throne and wouldn't you know it, this throne that you see in The Rise of Skywalker is based on that concept art. And there's a shot of a Star Destroyer breaking up through something Could be ice. It's not water. I've watched it over and over and over again and turned the brightness up on everything. It is breaking through some physical object wherever it's coming from. And then there's a shot of a speeder running on the ocean, flying out to where that Death Star wreckage is. And Rey is at the controls of that speeder. You have to look very carefully, but you can see her form standing up in the cockpit of that thing, flying it there. And then things slow down for a little bit with that scene where Babu Frick, the little tiny droid smith, is working on C-3PO. And Poe's like, what are you doing, 3 po and in the room are Ray and Finn and Zori Bliss, as well as um, BB 8 and Dio are there too. And 3PO has that line where he says, you know, he's getting one last look at his friends. And it immediately cuts to a scene where R2 is chirping next to him and 3PO puts his hand on R2. That appears to be in a different place from where this scene where he's saying, having one last look at his friends is happening. And There's a lot of ways we could read into that 3PO business, okay? I mean, it sounds like this is the end for 3PO, but I don't know if that's really the case. I mean, we see 3PO at other moments throughout this movie, so it's maybe a different kind of end, or maybe it isn't even an end. Maybe something else is going on. I don't know. I don't think we can take that one at face value. So if you think that 3PO is dying necessarily, well, I suppose it's certainly... An option that he could potentially go offline for, you know, once and for all, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a done deal just yet, okay? We'll talk about more possibilities in later episodes of the show here. And there's also a scene of a Y-Wing flying out of its mind and shooting a bunch of TIE fighters. Money's on Zori Bliss for that one, right? And Only saying that because the Lego Y-Wing that came out on Triple Force Friday came with Zori Bliss, so that would be my guess for that. Um, Yeah, we'll deal with the horses (laughs) after the break. We're not there yet, but we will deal with that. Um, Let's see, what else? Uh, Yes, Finn also on that Death Star Wreckage, so whenever ray and kylo ren are having their lightsaber battle which i've seen things suggesting that kylo ren is not actually fighting her that his you know movements with the lightsaber appear to be defensive and I'm actually going to start taking those a little more seriously, and the reason why I say that is because I think back to the trailer for The Last Jedi, one of the trailers, and there was a scene where, in the trailer, Rey is raising her lightsaber up near her face, and that's the scene where she and Luke have her final confrontation on Akto, and... In fact, what we see in the trailer is the actual reverse of what happens in the movie. It's basically the film running backwards because she is moving her lightsaber down in the movie. And there were some very astute people who picked up on that. And I remember reading about about it. People saying, hey, she's not raising her lightsaber. She's actually putting it down. The motion, it looks like it's reversed. Like, people said that before the movie came out. So, yeah, I'm willing to believe people who are saying that Kylo Ren is not fighting Rey but rather defending himself in that moment and as to you know why Finn is coming up running it must be because the two of them are going off together for some reason that would be my supposition (laughs) on this and I don't like it but yeah we're going to talk a little bit more about that too because there's more stuff there Because we have to talk about the voiceover from Palpatine that accompanies many of these scenes. Which is Palpatine saying, long have I waited. And then saying, and now you're coming together is your undoing. And this is with shots of the giant resistance fleet coming together. And yeah, that's a whole other thing too that we'll be talking about on a separate episode of the show. Um, So... Who is it really talking about? Because then there's also a scene of Ray and Chewie and 3PO and Finn and Poe in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. So you know, does this mean the Resistance fleet coming together? Does it mean those five friends coming together? Or does it mean Ray and Ben coming together? I mean, the <laughs> the guess that seems to make the most logical sense would be Ray and Ben coming together. And there is that scene that is probably going to be the one that of all the scenes in this trailer is going to be hashed out and discussed <laughs> ad infinitum until the movie comes out. And that is the scene where they're in that white Imperial looking room. Ray and Ben are both in there. Previously, all we've seen in there is Ben and with his helmet off in that room with the helmet of Darth Vader. Now we're actually seeing them in that room and seeing both Rey in there and Kylo Ren, but now with his helmet on, interestingly, and swinging their lightsabers together and destroying what appears to be the pillar upon which the Darth Vader helmet is resting. And I'll tell you, there's something that doesn't quite feel right about that scene to me. What I mean by that is that The room itself is so different aesthetically from other rooms we've seen inside First Order ships and facilities and whatnot. It just doesn't quite seem right. And so I guess what I'm getting at is that... I'm wondering if it's at all possible that what we're seeing here is a vision or hallucination or something to the effect of a thing that happens inside, say, the tree on Dagobah, where people have visions and whatnot. You know, uh, know, is it a dream? Is it a force back? Is it something strange? I don't know, but there's just something that sits wrong with me about this. In that I just, I don't know if I feel like this is happening within the movie. Within the actual chronology of the movie. There's just something unusual about it for me. So, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this or any other aspect of the trailer too. By all means, share them with me. And then there's the matter of, is it a throne? Is it a floating chair? Is it something else? But it seems like we are being given the impression that Palpatine is... In *The Rise of Skywalker*, in some sort of physical form—that this is not a ghost, it's not a vision—unless this whole scene is happening in a vision, which I suppose is possible. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are too many ways for Palpatine to actually be back. That you know—that I'm willing to discount it and say, no, no, this is another Force fish or anything like that. Something else is at work here and it's mysterious and quite honestly I don't even want to think about it too much anymore because the shock of it I think is going to be really amazing and beautifully and wonderfully the trailer ends with Luke saying you know the force will be with you and cutting in Carrie Fisher's voice saying always and I don't think they could have done a anything better for that like that was just mm, oh gosh that was a perfect way to end the trailer Uh, my two cents um i will also say globally speaking that david w collins who is a wonderful analyzer of star wars music in addition to being a you know wonderful musician in his own right he hosts the, uh, the soundtrack show podcast and he has done all sorts of hosting duties for Star Wars Celebration. He's been a guest on the show here and you know there are all sorts of other wonderful things he's done. Voice acting <laughs> and so forth. He has done some amazing analyses of Star Wars music and on Twitter he says that just on his first listen it sounds like it is very heavily Skywalker themed. The music inside the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. I will also add two other things, one of them being an industry thing and one of them being a reaction thing about the trailer. One thing that we haven't talked about yet. Um, We'll do that after the break, stay tuned. Welcome back. So, an industry note. I'm seeing reports that pre-sale tickets for The Rise of Skywalker, yes, that actually (laughs) happened yesterday as well, in the first hour sold 45% more tickets than were sold for Avengers Endgame. So, so far, The Rise of Skywalker is outstripping Endgame in terms of ticket sales by a large margin, setting records in that regard. Adam Tickets is not one that I've done a lot of business with personally. Adam Tickets is actually where I bought my tickets for Secrets of the Empire when I was able to do that in Anaheim. So, you know, there is that. I have used it. But as far as like Fandango and other sites like that, I don't know how they're doing yet, but at least the initial report seems to be pretty good. I would take it with a grain of salt, but, you know, sounds encouraging to be sure. And as for the one moment or the two or three moments that we haven't talked about regarding the trailer, the space horses on top of a Death Star that appears, or on top of a Star Destroyer that appears to be flying along with other Star Destroyers. What is happening? What is happening? I, uh, no, all right. That is the moment where I just said, okay, I don't know, and I can't even imagine what is happening here. How did the horses get there? It suggests, I guess, that the Star Destroyers are actually on that same planet that the horses are on, which seems to be the same planet that the Death Star wreckage is on, because it has the same grasslands look and feel. (sighs) Oh, man, there's something really strange and mysterious afoot in that whole business. And... Yeah, that scene of all the horses running and BB-8 can actually roll pretty fast because he was keeping up with them. So, oh brother, I can't even imagine what is going on with that. It just makes no sense to me at all. And I was looking at uh, the couple instances of laser cannons firing. So there are lasers firing from that thing and I was wondering, like, are they shooting at the you know, the clearly good guy ships, like, uh, there were, uh, there was at least one B wing that I saw flying around, for example. Um, or was it shooting at TIE fighters? Can't tell. I just can't tell. So, you know, that's the whole question of whether <laughs> is this just, uh, some crazy resistance assault team that landed on top of a star destroyer and is going to try to infiltrate it or are they actually writing a friendly star destroyer? I can't even imagine this one is going to twist my brain for a while. And if I do see anything from an analysis standpoint that gives us any suggestions or ideas about (laughs) what that might be about, then we'll talk about that on a future episode of the show. But for now, oh my gosh, that just blew my mind. And yeah, goodness gracious me. Again, I would love to hear what you thought about it, so chime in wherever you catch this episode, or at homebase at sw7x7.com. Thank you so much for joining me for the show, as always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be